0: It's here, the match that everyone was hoping for when the draw came out. Carlos Alcaraz versus Novak Djokovic in the semi-finals of Roland Garros 2023. This is the match. I'm telling you guys, this is going to be a cracker. I'm really hoping it's going to be. There's so much significance behind this match. Finally, finally, we get Alcaraz versus Djokovic in 2023. We've only got it once, of course, so far in 2022 in Madrid. Final set tiebreaker, Alcaraz took it 7-5. But, they finally meet. And it's big. It's at Philippe Chatrier at Roland Garros. As I said, semi-final. I cannot wait to get into this one. Before we do though, remember to hit that like button. Do subscribe if you're new and do leave a rating or review if you're listening on a podcast platform. Okay, this is a monumental match. It really is. And one of the most significant matches of my lifetime. Genuinely, it really is. And here's a few reasons why. Al is on a 12-match winning streak. The last time he lost was at Sinner, or to Sinner, at Wimbledon in the round of 16, of course. Sinner then went on to play Djokovic in the quarterfinals in his next match. Was two sets of love up, lost in five. So we were about to get that match. We were one match away from getting that again. But it was ripped away from us, from a talented young Italian. Then uh, Djokovic is also on a incredible match-winning streak, even better than Alcaraz, 19-match-winning streak. The last time he lost a Grand Slam match was at Roland Garros 2022 to Nadal in the quarterfinals. So both players on very good Grand Slam match-winning streaks. Alcaraz 12, Djokovic 19. Of course, both are also the winners of the last two slams. Djokovic won Australian Open in 2023, only a few months ago. And Alcaraz won the US Open, the last Grand Slam, of course, of the year there. And that was an incredible victory for him, given it was his maiden Grand Slam title. But ironically, both players won their titles without the other being present. Alcaraz won the US Open. No, that Djokovic wasn't allowed in the US due to uh, obviously not being vaccinated. And he wasn't able to compete. So Alcaraz won that without Djokovic being in the field. Similarly, Alcaraz was injured when Djokovic won the Australian Open 2023 tournament and wasn't there as well. So first slam where both players are present and we are going to get them playing, which is great. Also, of course, an overlap between the next gen and what I like to now call the GOAT gen, which is really just a big three uh, in Djokovic, Nadal and also Federer. Could this be the actual passing of the torch match? Everyone always talks about, oh, this is the passing of the torch. We're going to get it this year. This is it. You know, Nadal loses a match or Djokovic loses a match and it's like, okay, everyone. These guys are done. The next guys are coming through. And people have been saying that for maybe the last 10 years even or at least five years. And it just hasn't come to pass. So this could be though, this is such a significant match. It could be the passing on the torch, or at least the start of it, if, of course, Alcaraz were to win. For Novak Djokovic, though, there's a historical chance for him because if he wins against Alcaraz, he'll go into the final as a clear favourite and it's a chance for him to win a 23rd historic Grand Slam title. He's two matches away. Alcaraz, in my opinion, is the biggest threat in his way to that title and vice versa. So you could argue that this is really In all due respect to the other players, this is really almost like the final. Uh, This is almost like the final, this match. So, a little bit about why this match is important. And, of course, we haven't seen this matchup. Everyone wants this matchup so much. It just hasn't really happened. Great to see it, though. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, The French Open, we're going to go into then, as always, their routes to the semi-final go through their matches that they've played so far then I'll talk a little bit about that Madrid match and then mainly I want to focus on the tactical side because there's a lot to digest a lot to get through I want to try and keep it succinct and also make sure that I don't bore you guys talking about strategy too much but there's a lot of factors involved and both guys are very versatile so it's actually quite hard to break it down in terms of how we're going to see it develop, because there's so many different ways that both players can actually play. Uh, but anyway, let's get into Alcaraz's route to the semi-final. So, we've got uh, Alcaraz here, you can see, has had a pretty easy route, to be honest. Beat Kaboli, Daniel, uh, when I say easy, I mean he's got through easily. He's actually had the hardest route, I would say, uh, given that he had to play Musetti and Sitsipas back-to-back, and now Djokovic. If he wins the title, it will be a very, very good run. Um, One of the best, I would say, I've seen in a while. But anyway, Tara Daniel, Kaboli, Shapovalov, uh, Mossetti and Tsitsipas, all of them straight set victories apart from Tara Daniel. The Japanese player took a set off him. He was very impressive against Tsitsipas, very clinical. Uh, He was, I mean, he was hitting the forehand as clean as I've seen him hit it, to be honest with you. And that's a real positive sign going into the Djokovic match. He'll need to be at his best. For Novak Djokovic, he started off as well in pretty easy fashion, beating Kovacevic in straight sets, Vuk- Vuksevic as well, Davidovic, Fekina as well, and Viriles in straight sets. Hachinov was a tougher, tougher match. Lost the first set 6-4. He did start off very sluggish Novak Djokovic, and then the second set went to a tiebreaker, and In all honesty, Hatchinov could have taken that second set, but Djokovic went up a level in the second set tiebreaker. He absolutely dominated Hatchinov, smoked him, seven love in that tiebreaker, and then from then on, it was one-way traffic and Djokovic dominated, started hitting the ball very cleanly and also hit 11 aces in that match. We'll touch upon that as well because the serve is going to be really important, I feel, for both players in this matchup, as it always is in pretty much all matchups that are competitive and I do think that's a positive sign for Djokovic. Positive signs for both players because I feel like they've played the best tennis of their tournament so far uh, in their previous matches. Djokovic in the second half of that Hatchinov match, Alcaraz for up until I think it was 4-2, 5-2 in that final set against Tsitsipas. And then you can see here the one match they did play, Alcaraz came out on top and it was one of the most entertaining three-set matches you'll see. Uh, He won Alcaraz 6-7, 7-5, 7-6. I mean, as tight as you like. I mean, three incredibly tight sets, uh, to say the least. And look, Alcaraz won at 7-5 in the tiebreaker as well. I mean, hopefully we get something like that. Because if we get something near that level, I'll be extremely happy. Because that was one of the best matches I've seen. uh, Well, it was definitely one of the best matches I saw in 2022, for sure. Okay, Let's then break down tactically a little bit about what we might see from both players. And before we do, actually, I want to talk about the mental side, because I feel like with most players, when they play against Djokovic or Nadal, most players are already mentally beat before they even step onto the court. You've heard it before, and it is true. It really is. And I do think with some of the players on tour that are even younger, um, or are younger, have come through, I think, you know, Sitsipas, we're talking about Zverev, we're talking about, I mean, Medvedev, although I think Medvedev's mental capacity is a bit better, although he has also lost to Nadal twice being in leads in Grand Slam Finals to him. Those types of guys, Berrettini, we're talking about as well. Like, I think that generation, they've struggled a lot, mainly because they have played Djokovic and Nadal at their peaks. When they first came onto the tour, they broke onto the tour, those guys, they were at their peaks. And I think that actually made it pretty tough for them to really believe that they were good enough that they could beat these guys. Uh, That's my read on it anyway, because I genuinely think Alcaraz, Runa, Sinner to a degree as well, though he hasn't beat any of them yet, I think definitely Alcaraz and Runa, those guys, they are completely fearless when it comes to anyone. And we've seen that Runa's beaten Djokovic, Alcaraz is beating Nadal and Djokovic. These guys, they are not scared. They're like, look, we are young, we are, we have a lot of energy, we've got a lot of talent. We think we can beat you. We're not scared of you. I feel like other players are. It's a really big factor to, I think, to at least cater into this matchup because I don't think Alcaraz will be scared at any point in this match. He had match points against Tsitsipas. He didn't take them uh, in that third set. He got taken to a tiebreaker and he still managed to win. Against Djokovic last year in Madrid, he had a breakpoint opportunity on Djokovic's serve before they went to a final set tiebreaker. He didn't take it. He then went into the tiebreaker, was clutch, took it 7-5. So, I feel like up here, Alcaraz for the most part is actually very, very good. And that's a big, big thing because Djokovic is a mental giant. Arguably the the best player ever when it comes to the mental side of things. Having the best mentality, being able to work things out and I think work things out from the mental aspect because we know physically a lot of the players are actually not necessarily that much better than each other. Uh, It's more to do with up here. Tactically, of course, as well. Uh, and also your intent. So, okay. Let's go into it then tactically because I've rambled on a little bit about the mental side of things. And let's talk about the serve return dynamic first because I like talking about that, as you know. The big question mark in this dynamic, in this matchup, is going to be Alcaraz's kick serve to the Djokovic back end. Djokovic struggled to make any real meaningful returns on his backhand against that serve from Alcraz in Madrid. Now, there's two things, though, to consider. One is that it was in Madrid, high altitude. If the balls were flying a bit more, bit of higher bounce as well, you'd say. However, it looks like they're going to play tomorrow in the day. That means the balls are going to bounce higher in my opinion. And I wonder whether that's a slight advantage to Alcaraz because he hits with a lot of topspin. I think more topspin than Djokovic. He's not maybe, although actually I think he hits the ball with just as much topspin as Nadal, if not slightly less. He is going to look to hit that kick serve consistently, especially from the ad side. We see him hit it a lot with the first serve as well as the second serve. For Djokovic, I'm not sure how that's going to pan up because the Roland Garros courts are slower than Madrid. To be fair, but he's still going to get some of those serve shoulder height you'd imagine. Now, our, sorry, now Djokovic can do one of two things. He can either say, "Okay, I'm going to commit to staying on the baseline and trying to be proactive on those second serve returns." And some of them I might miss hit. Some of them I might not even make, but. The ones that I do make, I feel like I'm going to be able to make it worth worth my while to get into his, into his service games. Because Djokovic, by the way, let's just uh, add a little caveat here, is the best returner ever, I think, in my opinion. On clay, though, I think Nadal is, on clay specifically. But Djokovic is still in the top three of all time, I think, on clay. But this is a very specific return we're talking about. Backhand return to the kick serve. Or he can say, okay, you know what? I'm going to stand further back, which he doesn't tend to do. He doesn't really. It's a very rare occurrence you see Djokovic stand quite far behind the baseline a la Rafael Nadal or Daniel Medvedev. doesn't really happen too often. I'll be interested to see if he does do it. Because if he does it, it to me, it's not necessarily a mental victory for Alcaraz, but it's more a an acceptance on Djokovic's side that, look, this is a problem I have against him on his serve I'm going to say okay maybe I take away a little bit of the uh, attacking ability that I have on my serve by standing further back but it also means I'm going to be able to make more balls he might though think well if I stand further back it leaves me vulnerable to the drop shot for number one and number two it probably means that Alcaraz is going to be able to hit a forehand for his plus one shot and he's going to be able to hurt me with that is is it worth me really standing back and making more returns if I'm still going to lose the same proportion of points if not more potentially so that's that's the real question right? and I, and I do think he's going to go with the first option I think he has been returning the kick serves better uh, than he did in Madrid last year you have to also remember that was Djokovic in Madrid Djokovic tends to peak around Rome and then towards Roland Garros so he hadn't played as many clay court matches in Madrid last year at that time he has here it's a big advantage. Also, Hatchinov has a very big serve, and his kick serve is pretty effective as well. So he would have been able to get a pretty good feel for what the courts are going to be like, considering he also played in the day as well, which will give him an advantage because his last match was in the day. He'll know what the conditions are going to be like. He'll have that under his belt, which is a positive. For Alcraz, of course, his match was in the night, um, which it was still pretty warm to be fair. So don't know really how much of a difference it'll make but um, I actually think Alcaraz as I said will prefer the day conditions anyway but I think maybe that levels itself out potentially although the slower heavier conditions you'd say probably favor Alcaraz a bit more than Djokovic I think think Djokovic would prefer as everyone was talking about when he was playing Nadal in the last couple of years that he'd prefer the night session because he knows the ball's going to bounce slightly less um, and they're not going to be as conducive maybe the surface to topspin as it would be in the day so that's a little bit about that. that's very very specific talking about his backhand return to the kick serve I also think Alcaraz might if Djokovic is to stand further back he'll then come forward potentially in serve and volley I think he'll do it anyway because he's very good at transitioning forward he's quick coming forward he also covers the net beautifully he's got great drop volley and he's got good hands in the net I think he'll utilize that even against Djokovic, who is such an incredible returner. I can see Alcaraz still coming forward. Now, will he serve and volley a lot? Or will it maybe be, okay, I'm going to hit a good serve, hit a good plus one, and then come forward one or two or three shots later. Maybe that might be the more common thing we see from Alcaraz rather than just rushing the net, serve and volleying. But I don't think he's going to be scared of Djokovic's return. Uh, And that's something to bear in mind. Now, if Djokovic starts hitting return winners, then Alcaraz will have to think twice. Also, if he keeps on getting passed, because against Zverev last year, Ronan Garros, and Zverev's got a very good backhand return. He was trying to go into the Zverev backhand and serve and volley or come forward, you know, after one or two shots, and Zverev was picking him off at the net. And that's why Zverev ended up winning. That was one of the factors. Djokovic has the ability to do the same. On backhand return especially if Alcaraz is going to approach the backhand during a rally he's got to make damn sure that approach shot is good enough or he ha- believes enough in his ability to cover the net because Djokovic's backhand line or backhand cross the pass you is arguably the best out there uh, so interesting to see how Alcaraz deals with that in terms of Novak Djokovic's serve and actually sorry before we move on from Alcraz's serve one thing that I've noticed is that he will deliberately adjust his serve position before serving so that it always looks like he's hitting a kick serve for the most part from the ad side but he'll mix it up and go down the tee and the serve down the tee is actually normally very flat and it's a change up and it's quite clever uh, in my opinion, because it normally takes the opponent by surprise, I do like that from Alcaraz. He's clearly thinking up here, thinking about how he can make his opponent really double think, overthink even at times in their returning capacity. On the juice side, he likes serving out wide. He'll probably try and drag Djokovic out as much as possible. If he goes down the tee again, it's probably going to be hard down the tee. It won't be a kick serve or slice serve. So it'll be flat down the tee to try and. gather pace and get Djokovic on the back foot straight away for either an unreturnable an ace or an opportunity for him to put away a short ball. That's what he'll be looking for. Uh, For Djokovic on the stretch, on the return, he's probably the best. On the stretch, on return, normally, uh, and Alcaraz does the same, to be fair, the ball will come back as a lob almost, but very deep into court most of the time. And that's when you feel like, oh, wow, I felt like I was going to be on the attack. I had him scrambling, yet still he's dropped the ball just inside the baseline, and now I'm at neutral. And that's where then Alcaraz, to be fair, is actually very good. He's normally good at taking balls on the right, to so let it bounce, and then he'll still drive with the forehand. He won't be uh, conservative with that forehand. He'll still make sure that it's got power behind it. We saw him hit, I think it was like 110 mile per hour into that forehand against Tsitsipas. Uh, which was just incredible. Uh, And he has that acceleration. He's able to generate power where a lot of players maybe aren't quite able to. Uh, And we'll talk about that a little bit more later because I feel that's something that Djokovic could utilize. In terms of Djokovic's serve, uh, he's serving 11 aces, uh, well, served 11 aces in his last match against Hachinov. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Djokovic serves against Alcaraz. I do think both players, but especially Djokovic, I think. I think it's really important for him to serve a high percentage of first serves in. I think he needs to be at least at 65%, I would say, for the match. I think for Alcaraz, he can maybe get away with it. He's a bit younger, he's a bit fresher. He, even though Djokovic is still an incredible athlete, I do think Alcaraz, as, a lot, as the rallies get a lot longer, should probably be able to outmaneuver Djokovic. Whereas I feel like with Djokovic, he needs to try and get on the front for earlier than Alcaraz. If he lets Alcoraz dictate, that's when he's going to be in trouble. And he'll be able to dictate if Djokovic is hitting a lot of second serves, in my opinion. I think Djokovic, as I said, needs to mix it up. I have noticed that the serve out wide from the juice side, Alcoraz has struggled with a little bit. Mainly because I feel like when he goes cross-court, it opens up the court, of course, to the forehand on the line. What I would do if I was Djokovic, by the way, because I've noticed that Alcaraz is very, very good on the stretch, on the run, a la kind of like Davidenko, if anyone remembers Davidenko. He was incredible at hitting the ball on the run. I feel like Alcaraz is at that level. He's that good um, hitting shots on the run. If I was Djokovic, I would actually try and go in behind him at times so to wrong-foot him. So, for example, I'd go serve out wide and then if Alcaraz goes cross-court, I would almost kind of feign to go down the line with a forehand and then rip it cross-court and try and get behind Alcaraz because I feel like it'll either be a winner or Alcaraz might get a racket on it, but it's probably going to be a defensive block or slice back into play and then Djokovic can try and finish it off from there. I feel like at times people try and go into the open court a lot against Alcaraz and he's so good at being able to get there. And they actually will tend to come forward, which I guess most players is the right play, right? They'll come forward to the net and then they get passed and they can't believe it's happened. I mean, he got passed a lot by Alcaraz, but the quality of the approach shots weren't particularly good. Djokovic's approach shots will most likely be at a higher level, you imagine. And I think he needs to be very selective about when he comes forward. His net play is so good in comparison to where it was I still don't think he's incredibly natural at the net I do think Alcaraz is a bit more natural in comparison to Djokovic but in saying that in saying that what I will say is that Novak Djokovic yes isn't the most natural but his hands and his athleticism make up for a lot of the maybe natural prowess he has at the net uh, because he's able to stretch in a lot of ways that people aren't able to which, of course, is very, very impressive. So I'm intrigued to see how that pans out and how much he'll come to the net uh, because I feel like Alcaraz has such big weapons. Will Djokovic say, okay, maybe I need to come forward a bit more than I was expecting if he's trying to shorten the points. On clay, of course, you need to be very selective, mainly because the balls are a lot... Well, most likely, the ball's going to come through a lot slower. It's going to sit up a bit more. You need to have that depth. Now, that's something that Djokovic is so good at, of course, is finding depth when it comes to well, finding depth when it comes to ground strokes, right? He's the master when it comes to hitting the ball deep. Um, he, in my opinion, he's basically coined the term "killing you with depth." That's basically what Djokovic is all about. So, I'm interested to see how that pans out as well. That's all about serve and return. I want to touch upon because that's, I've talked about it a lot. Um, I do also think going into the body of Alcaraz is not a bad shout as well. I feel like when you give him a chance to kind of open up with his wingspan, he is a lot more comfortable. I wonder whether Djokovic might try and go into the body at times and make it a bit uncomfortable for Alcaraz. uh, Because I don't feel like Alcaraz can hurt you with the the body serve return. But the issue is if you get that body serve slightly wrong, it ends up being right into the hitting zone of your opponent. And Alcaraz, we know how good he is at returning gimme serves. So, something to bear in mind but I think that server turn dynamic is going to be really intriguing to see how it develops uh right okay in terms of the groundstroke exchanges like how does that all pan out uh there's a few things so one thing is Djokovic is he going to be closer to the baseline to try and cover the drop shot or would he focus on himself and focus on the fact that he's going to try and dictate. So I guess being close to the baseline means that he should be able to dictate more, be more attacking, but it might also mean he makes more mistakes. It might also mean he might not hit with as much quality at times because he's taking them all a bit earlier than he'd like or in positions which aren't quite as comfortable. So it's a trade-off, really. I think he'll mix it up a little bit. I can't imagine he'll want to be two, three meters behind the baseline a lot against Alcaraz because he knows a drop shot will, can come at any time. And Alcaraz's drop shot is one of the best in the business at the moment. Similarly though, I think the same kind of holds true for Alcaraz. But I guess with Alcaraz he and this is where it becomes a bit tricky because if we're talking about Djokovic from 10 years ago or even 5 years ago you would say it doesn't really matter about his court position because he'll chase down everything. And I still think even now he's one of the best athletes out there but Alcaraz is quicker. He is. He's just younger, he's quicker at the moment and that's just the fact. Uh, the stats are there to back it up as well. I've got Um, I've seen stats about it. And it it does make sense, of course. Like, he's quicker, so he's going to chase down. He's better at chasing down drop shots, moving laterally side to side, and also, obviously, moving forward and backwards. So, for Djokovic, though, his drop shot isn't quite as good as Alcaraz's, but it has been pretty damn good in the last few matches. Is he going to utilize it? He probably will. He probably will. And... He has to be careful about when he uses it because Alcaraz is very good at chasing them down and getting into a good position. We saw yesterday against Tsitsipas, He made him pay for a lot of poor drop shots. Similarly, though, if Alcaraz's drop shot isn't up to standard, Djokovic is so good at being able to get there and hit a reverse drop shot or even get on the front foot straight away. So Alcaraz might even end up overusing it. So something to keep an eye out for. And if he overuses it, he may then be a bit more conservative in his play at how much he uses that specific shot Um for sure. So I'm interested to see in the court positions who dominates that because who's going to be further forward at times, who's going to be trying to hug the baseline. On clay, of course, you tend to see both players one meter, two meters behind the baseline. And then only when they get the shorter types of balls or uh, balls, which are, you know, maybe not with as much pace, they might then come forward. Um, I also think Djokovic might try and push Alcraz back by hitting those kind of higher, maybe, I don't think moonball's the right word for it, but those kind of higher, high topspin ground strokes, especially given it's going to be in the day, he might try and hit those and have Alcaraz moving backwards to avoid getting hurt uh, with either the drop shot or with Alcaraz hitting approaches and coming forward, or even just going big and hitting winners. Now, Alcaraz can still hit winners from two, three meters behind the baseline, but the chance of that happening is a lot less. Uh, in Madrid, he actually did something similar. I, I was watching the match again today and Djokovic utilised that quite a lot, that lob uh, on the backhand and forehand side and tried, I think, to disrupt the rhythm of Alcaraz. It didn't work. Um, I don't think he had huge success with it. It looked like he had a varying success with it, in all honesty. And it was something that he used against Hatchinov as well. And he also had varying success. And he said after in the, his interview that he used it because he felt like he wasn't timing the ball that well. Now against Alcaraz, I don't think that was the case because he played a pretty high level. Um, in all honesty, against Alcaraz, so I think last year in Madrid it was more because he tried to see whether okay, will Alcaraz be able to still hurt me if I hit this shot? Because at the moment I'm going hard at him and he it's just the ball just coming back harder. I need to try and find a way to vary it up a little bit. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't think we're going to see a lot of slices from Djokovic because Alcaraz tends to eat those up, similar to Nadal with the into-out forehand or into-in forehand. His movement around the backhand is phenomenal, Alcaraz. Um, and one thing that I'll say about Djokovic's uh, forehand and how he's been moving around it is the last couple of matches we've seen him hit less backhands and start to really try and dictate with the forehand. With the into and into out forehand as well, he knows on clay those two shots are so crucial. If you want to be able to win points and finish off points, you need that. His backhand is arguably the best two-handed backhand on tour and ever. But on clay... Yes, he can still win points on it. Yes, he can still hit winners off it. But to be consistently aggressive on that side, even for Djokovic, is not easy. But he can do it with the forehand. His forehand is more than good enough to be able to hurt Alcaraz, Um, especially with the in-to-out forehand, I feel. um, I just think what Djokovic is going to try to do and what he's been so good at in his career is bullying players in the ad court, uh, exchange and I do think it's going to be an ad core arm wrestle I really do because I think Alcaraz knows he'll know that uh, that Djokovic will try and trap his backhand or try and trap him in the backhand to backhand. He knows that because he knows Djokovic will be like I'm never gonna miss I'm never gonna miss I'm never gonna miss. Especially if Djokovic is hitting with depth because as soon as that backhand cross goes a little bit short, drop shots coming. We know that. Or into in forehand into out forehand. So Djokovic will back himself in there though as he should Because he should be able to almost in a way bully Alcraz in the backhand to backhand. The question is though, how effectively can he one, get into that position enough and two, be able to hit with enough quality consistently in rallies every single shot almost to try and make sure that Alcraz can't open up on the forehand because he can't do it for the whole match, right? It's impossible. Uh, So the question is, does he try and drag out Alcraz and then go open court with the backhand line, which I do think he should try and do. With Alcaraz, he can hurt you with the backhand line as well. Now that's going to be interesting to see how Djokovic deals with that. Because on the forehand side, I feel like both players defend quite well. When it comes to backhand side, I think Djokovic is incredible at defending on the backhand side. I think Alcaraz, there's actually still a little bit of room to on that part or in that part of his game. And that's why I think if Djokovic is able to open up on the to out forehand, really make sure that. Alcaraz is hitting a lot more backhands than he'd like he's going to be able to induce errors or at least get balls that aren't blistering past him at 110 miles per hour right, they're going to be they might be deep into court but they might not have a huge amount of pace on it or direction and he'll be able to then dictate more Djokovic that is really the key to it and that's easier said than done of course uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how that will pans out because I feel like that's just going to be so crucial to the a result of this match, it really will be Um, And then in the forehand to forehand, I think Alcaraz, I mean, I've seen in the past that his forehand can fluctuate in levels. It really can. But the last couple of matches, it's been at a really high level and I don't see it dropping for this match. So if it doesn't drop, then Djokovic is going to have to hit his forehand as he was doing in the last couple of sets against Hatchelor. Because if he doesn't and it's a bit too short, he's not really hitting through the court and penetrating through the court. Then Alcaraz will eat it alive with his forehand. He really will. If Djokovic, though, is being able to time the ball well hit through the court, as we know he can do with the forehand now, he will have some success, but you imagine that he won't be wanting to be in those rallies for very long. He won't. uh, Because he knows that Alcaraz, if he tries to drag him out while on the forehand, he might drag him out, but Alcaraz will find a good angle. it will probably go down the line. Alcaraz's forehand is very, very versatile as well. He can hit it in so many different ways. um, As can Djokovic, but you just feel like with Alcaraz, he hits it in so many different ways. But most of those ways are in a way that's going to hurt you in an attacking sense. So it's going to be interesting to see how can Djokovic disrupt the rhythm of Alcaraz. And what does Alcaraz try to do? Does he try and shorten the points? Because he'll vary it up, I think. He'll be happy to go longer. He'll try and shorten the points when he can. I think for Djokovic, he should try and shorten the points when he can. I don't think there's any point in engaging in really long rallies against Alcaraz because I do think Alcaraz will come out on top on those. That's my thinking behind it uh, because I just feel on this surface and these conditions with how Alcaraz is playing, the confidence will be there to, okay, if you want to go toe-to-toe with me, longer rallies, I'm happy to do it. So let's see how this match pans out. I'm really looking forward to it. This has gone on a lot longer than I expected, but if, if you have stayed with us until the end, I really do appreciate it uh, with my <laughs> train of thought. Remember to hit that like button, please, if you haven't done so already, and do subscribe if you're new. Of course, we will be doing the live watch long for this as well. Cannot wait to do it. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We do appreciate it. Remember to hit that like button. Do subscribe if you're new, and we'll see you on the next video. And Look forward to seeing you guys in the live commentary and in the comment section below as well. Thank you very much.